It's an unfortunate fact that the elderly are taken advantage of every day. While the laws are complicated and constantly changing, the wisest and safest way to keep track of them all is to call elder law attorney Michael Cohen. Having devoted his career to informing and protecting the elderly, Michael communicates about the law in ways that you and your loved ones will surely understand. Join us now to know your legal rights with Michael Cohen and co-host Don Crawford Jr. Here's Michael and Don. Welcome once again to Know Your Legal Rights. My name is Don Crawford, Jr., the general manager of KAAM Radio, God Country, Texas. And I'm sitting with my elder law attorney, my estate planner, who should be your elder law and estate planner, Michael B. Cohen. Hello, Michael. Hello, Don. How are you doing? How are you? And I guess getting ready for the fourth is coming up before you even know it. So uh, happy fourth if I don't... Don't talk to you next. Yeah, yes, thank you. I appreciate that, and we are getting ready for it. Um, and um, I started with Michael B. Cohen today because that's the right initial for beautiful. And what is it really? Is it Michael <laughs> Michael B. Bobby? What is it? Michael Ben. Michael Ben. Michael Ben. ben so Benjamin, I got you. Well, good. Now, that's easy to remember. That is how you look up his name online. If you Google it, it's Michael Cohen with it, or Michael B. Cohen. And um, just type in Texas Attorney Estate Planning, and, and you'll find him shoot right to the top of what's called the SEO. Um, and was search engine optimization is what that stands for. And that's what puts you at the very top because of, uh, for lack of a better word, how popular you are with the world and how often people go to your website, how often people search your name. And uh, you'll find Michael right there at the very top uh, because that's where he belongs because of his expertise and unique ability to um, create uh, outstanding estate plans as well as uh, provide you with expert knowledge and advice when it comes to government assistance. But the B also stands for billion. You're welcome. And uh, we're talking a billion dollars plus. And Michael wants to talk about something that costs $1.4 billion today. That was really attention-getting for me and how it affects you, the listener, and you, the person who has an estate plan or needs an estate plan. Go ahead, Michael. Well, I just thought, you know, I saw in the Friday Dallas Morning News uh, this past week about that on the stimulus checks that $1.4 billion was sent to people who are deceased, that are dead. In fact, I saw in the article it said that even the check was written to so-and-so, D-E-C-D, in other words, deceased. So the government sent out checks to all these people who were dead. And obviously, um, if you're dead, you shouldn't be getting a stimulus check. And so I thought, well, gee, we ought to think about, well, how is the government going to get that money back and how does the government even know when somebody is deceased? A lot of times they don't check it out, and they should be checking it out. Um, I know that, I don't know if we talked about this in the past few weeks or not, there was a story in um, Pennsylvania where the uh, person uh, had not notified the government of uh, the death of her grandmother, her 97-year-old grandmother, and the reason why they didn't notify her is that notify the government is because they wanted to collect the Social Security checks. 
Mm. And so what ended up happening is the terrible story of this was that she put grandmother in a freezer and she shipped her to another part of Pennsylvania. And it wasn't until 15 years later, when I guess grandma would have been 112 years old, that the that somebody figured out that uh, grandma was deceased and she had been collecting that Social Security for 15 years while frauding the government. Yeah. So bottom line is that a lot of people might be collecting these social these stimulus checks, and so I guess uh, the first thing you say, well, how do they get? How does the government get their money back? How does the government get their money back? Well, when they write that, when they they put down something in the uh, in the uh, package that you get, the check that you get, that if you're deceased, send it back <laughs> or something like that. Right. Uh, I did not get a stimulus check, so I don't. I'm not sure exactly what it says, but there's something on the correspondence that says uh, to to send it back. But how would the how would you get how would the government get it back if somebody didn't send it back? And that gets into a practical issue. Uh, first of all. Uh, if you had Social Security and it was a done electronically, just like if you had payments were done electronically, well, you would think that if the account was still open, that just like on Social Security, a lot of times on Social Security, uh, let's say you died at the end of June uh, of 2020, uh, and your Social Security check was coming early because it was the 4th of July or whatever, and so you may have gotten it early, the first day of July, let's just say. Well, it, the check had already, the electronic payment had already been sent uh, probably before, because it's before the government even knew that somebody died. And so what ends up happening is that if it was done electronically, they, they, as soon as they find out, they could take it back. Uh, and that happens all the time right. uh, when people die toward the end of the month. But what happens if it's not electronically, if it's a check? How are they going to get that money back? Right. And first of all, how do they even know about the death to begin with? Right. How, do, how does the government know? So let me just tell you what happens. Uh, I know, like, for example, in the Medicaid world, we know that the funeral homes uh, notify social – they notify the government. The funeral homes notify the government, so they'll notify the federal government and, and the you know, so like on Medicaid, then they notify the state government, and so then the state government knows how to make claims that there's claims against somebody's estate. But the but so if you have a so let's say a lot of people don't have don't have funerals or don't have arrangements with funeral homes, and so it could be that the government doesn't know, just like the uh, I hate to say the frozen grandma. So the uh, so how would they know? Well, in as you may recall, in the recession that we had about, uh, I guess, in 2008 or so, the, uh, uh, they tried to put some different standards so that there wouldn't be mistakes. Uh, and how they would do that is through death certificates. So if huh. you have death certificates, they could find out the death certificates, the death records, uh, that, you know, when somebody dies assuming that there's a death certificate to begin with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So then it gets into the question, why, of course, unfortunately, the government was in a real, you know, with the pandemic, the there was an emphasis on rushing things out to get money out to different people without using the safeguards to determine if the, that were set in place 
you know, seven, eight, ten years ago. Uh, and so, unfortunately, they didn't do that. They didn't check the death, death records. And so uh, there's going to be a lot of money out there that the government probably won't get back. So let's talk about how, again, what happens, how will they collect against an estate? And first of all, is it practical to collect uh, collect against an estate? We see it's easy if the money went into electronically and then they could just take it back out. But what happens if that wasn't the case? And what happens if the case was um, uh, that that account, uh, there was uh, uh, nobody else on the account? So I think we need to think about where does the, where does the money go? And how do you get that money back? And is it practical to even do it? You know, you're trying to collect at the most $1,200, let's say, from a deceased person. How many man hours? So now you've already wasted $1.4 billion so far. Who knows how much more that will be wasted? There's over a million people who've gotten these uh, checks uh, or payments that were dead. Uh, and so how do you... How do you try to collect? Well, let's say it was a joint account. If it was a joint account, uh, where does the money go? It goes to whoever the joint account holder is. Well, can the government find out who that person is? And maybe, and how much time does it take? Is it economical to even pursue? Um, uh, Can they find out who that person is and say, hey, you're committing fraud by not returning it? Possibly, possibly. What if it's, but let's say it was an individual account. Okay, so let's say it was just in that person, the deceased person's name. Well, then we have to determine, well, how do you normally get uh, funds from a person who is deceased, who it's in their individual name? Well, it will depend. Do they have a will? Well, if they had a will, then you might probate the will, which means that the will, you go to court and... And the uh, we could go through the probate process if you like, but basically after an executor is appointed, uh, if the will is good, then the executor has a duty to pay off all the debts of the estate and would have a uh, would have personal liability if they didn't comply with the law. So the executor would be the one who was responsible if it went by will. So, um, but let's say, uh, and there could be a claim. Uh, made by the government if they knew about it, et cetera, uh, with the probate court, or if it's in a rural area, a county court. Um, so the this is, of course, in Texas, and but it'd be the same type of idea, I would think, in other states. In Texas, there's probate courts in urban areas because there's lots of people who are dying. Unfortunately, right now, more than, than we like, especially with the pandemic. Uh, and the uh, in rural areas, they don't have as big a population, so they have a county court um, uh, that covers all sorts of different things, including probate. So you might have a criminal uh, hearing right after a probate hearing, whereas in Dallas County, for example, or Tarrant County, or Collin County, or Denton County, they have an actually probate courts where you uh, that just deals only with probate matters because there's so many more people. Well, anyway, so let's say that you didn't have a will or things weren't going to go by your will. Let's say that you had uh, just a small estate. And when, what's a small estate? A small estate uh, in, under, in Texas law, under Texas law, is if your assets, other than your, uh, that are exempt, uh, if you have an exempt home, I'll have to explain what that is in just a second. 
uh, is less than $75,000, then you could do what's called a small estates affidavit in order. Uh, a small estates affidavit uh, is if your assets are less than 75000 you do have to mention whatever debts you have, and then you can uh, avoid probate uh, if that estate is less than 75000 Now, I mentioned the home. Uh, a home doesn't count if that person is survived by a spouse who's living in the home or perhaps a child who's living in the home that's um, it's their homestead. Um, so there are a couple exceptions for homesteads, but if there's not a surviving spouse, then generally that home would count and towards that $75,000 limit. So um, generally, so but if, so if, if there's a small estate's affidavit, then they're supposed to pay off the, uh, whoever the heirs are, are supposed to pay off that those debts first before there's a distribution to um, to the to those to those heirs. Um, sometimes banks will work with you with having an, what's called an affidavit of heirship. Um, it was really interesting, um, but you have to swear there's no debts. You have to swear there's no debts, and here there would be a debt. Uh, I had a case this week where we were helping somebody out. And the person, before the, the, before everything was done, uh, the person died. So we were giving a refund. Well, who do you make the refund to? Do you write it to right. the small estate? And the right. bank, do you write it to the deceased? The deceased, how do you cash a check? Right. Um, basically, um, you, you really, um, it should be payable to the estate. But what if there's not an estate? Well, anyway, sometimes banks will work with you, but... Generally, uh, it should be payable to the estate. Um, okay, so uh, what happens if you don't have, well, let's say you had a trust. Well, if the money went right into a trust, well, that's easy. Then the trustee would be paying uh, the bills. Uh, so the trustee, just like an executor of a will, the trustee uh, would have the obligation to pay off all the bills. And they have a fiduciary responsibility. So... Uh, if you had a trust, the trustee would be paying off the bills. They have personal responsibility. They're a fiduciary. And so that's simple enough. But what happens if you don't have a will or don't have a trust and it's an individual account and there's no beneficiary designated? Well, then you may have to have an heirship determination. Well, what's an heirship determination? Well, you have to find out who the heirs are. Who are the unknown heirs? Um, there's going to be an attorney appointed to uh, represent the unknown heirs. There's an attorney that's uh, for the ones who are the heirs that we know about. Uh, you have to go through a whole process. They could create an independent administrator if there are no debts. But here there might be a debt. So, uh, so do you have to have what's called a dependent administration to pay off any bills? So um, it gets to be a much more complicated and lengthy uh, process is that is the government uh, going to get involved in that process? Well, the administrator would have the uh, you know have to uh, report to the court, and they would have a duty to pay off all the bills. But what happens if somebody didn't do anything at all? They right. didn't. They said, "Look, that's the only thing that they had. How is the right. and that's an individual account, and that somebody uh, somehow closed that account." How's the government going to get that money back? Right. I, I don't know that it would be worth the time or effort. So 
Uh, it, a lot of times it depends on the bank account because, you know, bank accounts could be set up in lots of different ways. Uh, we just talked about an individual account. There could be a joint account. Will they pursue it if it's a joint account? It could have a paid-on-death account. It could say in trust for. There's lots of, it could say joint with my survivorship. There's lots of different ways uh, that an account could be set up. It could be that somebody just had online access and they took the funds. So the, the, the likelihood of getting a good portion of those monies is not great. Yeah. Uh, I think when they had the, you know, when this happened um, in 2008, um, I think over 80% of the funds were not were not re- uh, returned. Some yeah. went to people in prison. Some people, uh, so and then so and so then they say, well, how much? Again, how much is it worth? How much time is it worth uh, to even collect uh, some of these stimulus checks? You know that the most you get is twelve hundred dollars, and a lot of them are less than that. So, how much time and effort is there going to be by the government to collect? Well, that's you know that's the problem, and I um, hope everybody's bearing with us because Mike and I are, are doing this remotely because of the virus, and um, we're not sitting in studio like we typically are. I think most people know that by now, but you know, you, uh, so please bear with us if um, we have any technical issues. But it's frustrating, Michael, because if you add it up, it's 1.4 billion dollars, as you said at the beginning of the program, and that's a lot of money. And think how many people that truly needed that money or businesses that needed that money could have benefited from it, but they can't. Oh, yeah. The money's gone, and consequently, they may never get it back because between you and me, you know as well as I that that feckless, irresponsible grandson uh, who is just going to take the, new, the newfound money and run, they're everywhere. And they're going to say, well, it's no big yeah. deal. It's in the family I would have inherited anyway, so they'll rationalize it, and then the government loses out. And as you said, there's no way to recover that money. So, but if, you know, yeah. the good it's, thing about this, go ahead, Mike. Well, no, I was just going to say it's not even 1.4 billion. But if you try to collect, you have that. Was how much time does it take to collect that too? So you have to add on right. that. And they haven't sent out all the stimulus checks, so you might add even if they don't get uh, the restrictions uh, more, uh, gui- you know, their guidelines followed more closely, then right. there's even going to be more people. So now it's even more waste, and which really is it to the detriment of our country, of course, and so uh, are helping out people who might be really of need. Uh, and so it is most unfortunate. And so really we do need to, uh, you know, the GAO, uh, the Government Accounting Office, uh, has uh, chastised uh, the Treasury and IRS for their failures to comply with guidelines that were set after the last recession when there was so much error before so, unfortunately, they're going to have to look at those death certificate records uh, on a lot of people, and they need to kind of clean that up uh, in, some, in some way. A number of times uh, in this show, Michael has said, uh, how much time is it going to take? Well, we're only going to ask you to take about two or three hours out of your day to attend Michael's next workshop so you can ascertain the facts about something like this or when it comes to other kinds of government assistance, because Michael is a specialist in that area, whether it be um, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid. He's on top of this every day of the year, basically. And, of course, estate planning and when it comes to wills and trusts and, and what you want to happen while you're alive and what you want to happen when you pass away. The way to do that is to attend Michael's next workshop on Tuesday, June the 30th at 1 p.m.
And Michael, tell everybody what goes on at those workshops. Well, we it's a two-hour workshop, and we mm-hmm. ask people what they want to know. Mm-hmm. And so this way, you feel like that, you know, it's free. There's no obligation, right. obviously. Uh, it's just a free educational process on the estate planning or Medicaid or veterans benefits type questions that you might have. And um, we ask people what they want to know. You'll learn something from other people, what, whatever their questions are. Every workshop's different because everybody's questions are different. Uh, and so uh, we ask you what you want to know, and then those two hours we go through those questions and uh, tell you whatever it is that the answers to your questions, what the problems are, what the potential solutions are. And then we uh, uh, see whatever it is, and you'll, you'll, it's free. It's just basically a free estate planning essentials workshop. Uh, and, um, uh, and, and I think you'll find your time well spent. If you do go to the free uh, estate planning essentials workshop, we even give you one more bonus, and that is uh, we give you a free vision meeting. So that's where, while you said two or three hours, the two hours are for the free estate planning essentials workshop. Uh, which we will be doing virtually, uh, which we make it really simple for people. All they do is have to click on a button, uh, and then they'll be live virtually. Uh, and then we have a free one-hour vision meeting. Uh, we call it a vision meeting. Subsequent to that, somewhere we schedule a time, if you want to do this, it's not an obligation, where we can look at your own individual situation, your own estate planning documents, your wills, power attorney, whatever your issues are. It could be a Medicaid issue, it could be a state planning issue, whatever it might be, we look at your situation and kind of see if, what kind of solutions there might be to whatever your particular problems without any charge. Uh, to do to go to that next free estate planning essentials workshop, all you have to do is call 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. Or sign up online at Dallas elderlawyer.com that's Dallas elderlawyer.com and then you will you know then when somebody will contact you to uh, confirm information and, and we'll make it really simple we make it we have somebody dedicated to just going through any kind of uh, uh, questions that you might have to make it simple for you to be a part of the workshop okay we've got about two minutes left Michael um, don't you think the banks need to be held accountable for this too because you haven't mentioned them very much in this show and how much how much blame can be put on them do you think i don't know the answer they if they think that there's you know usually if they think there's abuse for elder abuse or if there's something like that then yes you know sometimes they should if they're aware that somebody is deceased they should have uh some uh they could even freeze the account so the question is but somebody may have closed that account before they did that so in other words, let's say that Social Security normally goes into that account and they see that there's no Social Security the next month, should they automatically stop that account? Maybe. Maybe they should freeze it. Yeah. I want to say one more thing about Social since you mentioned the sure. Medicaid. Uh, a lot of people uh, get these stimulus checks, and for Medicaid, that 12, you know, Medicaid's means tested. A lot of times uh, you have to have less than $2,000. Uh, for a lot of the different Medicaid programs. There's 110 Medicaid programs in Texas, by the way. Well, anyway, on the means-tested programs, the $1,200 does not count as income or as a resource. So for Medicaid, they look at your income if it's too high, and they also look at your assets if those are if those assets are too great. Well, the good news is with the stimulus, 
uh, that uh, it will not count as income towards that income limit, nor will it count as a resource and for one year, for one year. So if you haven't spent the money uh, in a year, then the 1200 goes towards, let's say, the $2,000 Medicaid limit uh, for Medicaid. That's been a common question we've seen in, uh, since the pandemic, since these stimulus checks went out, because a lot of people are on Medicaid. So, oh, my goodness, uh, will we lose our Medicaid benefits because of the stimulus check? The answer is no. Excellent. Thank you for that clarification. Very, very important. Uh, sign up for Michael's next workshop. That is this Tuesday, June the 30th at 1 p.m. Dial 214-720-0102, 214-720-0102 for his virtual online workshop. Or go to DallasElderLawyer.com, DallasElderLawyer.com. Our Dallas Elder Lawyer, Michael Cohen. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Don. A leading estate planner practicing law in Dallas, Texas for decades now, Michael Cohen is ready to educate you about the estate planning laws that can affect your family and you. The first step is to attend his next workshop by going to his website, which is DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com to sign up for that free estate planning essentials workshop. Or you can also call him by dialing 214 214- That's 214-720-0102. A talk show host on 770 KAAM for six years, Michael Cohen is the person you want to evaluate and complete what could currently be a deficient estate plan. Make sure it is done your way and sign up for his next workshop today 